Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Hi, it's Carl Deichler, CEO of Beachbody. And I'm giving away 10,000 free memberships a week to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Pick any program and just follow it step by step, like our 21-day fix program or the ab shredding muscle burns fat program. Plus, there's free support in personalized fitness groups with our community of over 2 million members. Now is the time, so don't wait. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Hurry in during Ram Truck Month, where you'll find J.D. Power's number one brand and new vehicle quality in 2021. And right now, get 0% financing for 72 months on the 2022 Ram 1500 Lone Star. For 2021 J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Not compatible with any other offer. 0% APR financing for 72 months equals $13.89 per month per 1000 finance for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital regardless of down payment. Not all buyers will qualify. See dealer for details. Offer ends 5222. The Sunday edition of Bleedies is here, and this mainly only exists for one simple reason. Uh, day one was yesterday. So technically, this is day two, but uh, this is day two of 2022. But I just listened to a little bit more of Kevin and Gino from their day one review immediately following day one last night. WWE day one, that is. What an amazing show, I thought. But pff, haters going to hate, I guess. It was weird hearing, because when I talked to Kevin, we, I was loving it. I was gushing over this amazing pay-per-view that I had no expectations for. And I think that's the big difference between me and a lot of the other people. Uh, Gino was ready to hate on WWE no matter what. Now, if you listen to uh, the whole effing show, if you listen to Fourth Hour, which you all should be doing, I'm saying it now, but I think that was kind of the general consensus that a lot of people had was they were let down by this event. I had so low expectations, this event really won me over like I thought this was a great event from start to finish the match quality was a lot better than a typical WWE event I didn't think there was any uh squash matches or there was no like 16 second match no two minute match it felt great I really enjoyed the entire card I enjoyed the entire show but going through everything I wanted to run down kind of my thoughts on everything because listening to Kevin and Gino, I was perplexed. How, to, how did not everybody enjoy this uh, this program? And and if you're downloading this, this is the first time I think I've ever just done a Sunday. I'm recording. We're not live on Trovo.live slash Fleeties. We're not live on Trovo.live slash TWFS. We're not live on HaveGrit.club. We're not live on YouTube. Like, nowhere. This is just me recording. I hit the record button, and now I'm talking about WWE Day 1. So, uh, just kind of run through things because I, I heard I heard I've heard several other people run through it, not listen to it in length, but just read some of the reviews and a lot of people are poo-pooing this event. And maybe that's just the hipster thing, the cool kid thing to do is automatically hate anything WWE related, which is easy. I mean, I do it too every month. Listen to me tomorrow or listen to me on Monday after Raw. I, it's the hardest show to watch. It's impossible to get through without getting upset for at least forty-five minutes of that show. So. Uh, I thought this was a really good show and maybe people are just so done with WWE and look, they did it to themselves. When you look at last year, what they released 80 wrestlers, which just kind of hurts everybody's feelings. I think that hurts my feelings a little bit. You look at these rosters, they're getting so slim and slim and slim. Something Kevin even brought up was, you know, who's next, who's getting released next. Like we should start taking bets. Cause there's no way everybody like eventually it's going to be Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley are the only two people that are unreleasable and they're, they're going to be there forever. So uh, ultimately 
I think that uh, like when I hear Gino, that's the main one, or anybody who who has a Twitter account. Everybody hated this event. Everybody was ready to shit on it. You even go to the like the WWE, the WWE, the Instagram. You go to Instagram.com slash WWE, and those people seem really excited and really positive about the event. So it just seems like you find pockets somewhere. You'll find a pocket of negativity, and you'll hang out in that pocket forever. And that's those are my views on Twitter as well. Like when I go on Twitter, everybody seems so upset with the world and so upset with wrestling and. They're always pointing out all the negative things. And if anybody has anything positive to say, they get shit on by 17 people without profile pictures. It's just like a picture of their favorite anime character or something like that. So I watched day one, okay? And I'm going to run down one by one here so you guys can get a feel for my emotions. Because I was watching the first, I think, uh, the first two matches I did watch on my phone. I was doing dishes. I was eating hot wings. I was not in a place where i was sitting down to actually just absorb all the wrestling not letting it all hit me at once so there were no table nachos involved in this kevin okay get that through your head this was me enjoying wrestling uh and just enjoying it right there were there were chicken wings involved there was an air fryer oven that was able to make these amazing chicken wings that i tossed in frank's red hot wing sauce and sriracha to add a little spice to them and then some ranch obviously i know the ranch kind of negates any spiciness that there is but Ranch and wings is just where it belongs, right? That's why, like, even the Lay's chips are, like, buffalo and ranch. So they, they put it all in one flavor because they know that's what I'm here for. Uh, but the Slammy Award-winning Usos uh, open the show. And they open the show for me. I don't really watch the pre-show. I don't I don't care about the panel sitting there kind of being in kayfabe. And kind of, well, I really think Drew McIntyre's got his work cut out for him. Don't sleep on Madcap Moss. Like, no, like... Kevin and I are, are our own panel, so I have no interest in watching any of the kickoff shows or pre-shows or whatever they're called now. So whenever there's a match on there, I just I know that at some point during day one, they're going to show me uh, kind of the results from that or a highlight, whatever's important, they'll show me. So I didn't see Sheamus and Ridge Holland get the big double yo over Cesaro and Ricochet. They did show the highlight of Ridge Holland getting his nose broken or having Ricochet just stomp on his head, uh, but... Seamus getting the dub, you know, the bar, they're separated. And look, let's be negative on stuff I didn't get to see like this match. Cesaro and Ricochet, you know, we we look at WWE and the way that they kind of build their talent, build their superstars. These guys are not like especially character-wise, what are their what are their gimmicks? What are their characters right now? Vince McMahon sees like a smaller dude who can do a flip and go, "You're a superhero, damn it." And then Cesaro, who they also kind of try and, you know, oh, the Swiss Superman. But what is his actual gimmick other than, oh, he's from Switzerland? And I think that's why they have so much trouble figuring out what to do with these two guys. Because even in Lucha Underground, Prince Puma, there wasn't a lot to that gimmick other than he didn't talk for himself. But he was just, he was the best fighter in Mexico, right? Boyle Heights. So he wanted to just be the best and have the best matches with the best competition, not much of a gimmick there, but, you know, he didn't talk. Maybe that's the only twist that there was. Cesaro, kind of where, I mean, you can point to where he had not even more success because I would argue his success in WWE outweighs what he did in Ring of Honor. But even as one of the kings of wrestling, it's just an easy gimmick to come out to, like, this 
royal music and pretend that you're holier than thou and you're a better in-ring tacticianer and talent than everybody else because you've trained in the better gyms around the world. And he's European. That could be that kind of was his gimmick when he started when they brought him up to SmackDown with the satchel over his shoulder. But these guys really have nothing to do. So it's kind of funny to me. They're on this pre-show that I'm not watching. And it's funny. I described Cesaro. That's kind of Ridge Holland's gimmick. But even Sheamus with his with his hat and his coat, that's all it takes for him to be to have a, a gimmick or a character. Cesaro doesn't even have the tearaway suit anymore. So I don't know. I, I, I'm glad I missed that match. Maybe I would have been in the same mood as Gino and Kevin if I would have watched that match. So the Usos, however, I thought put on an amazing match. And I love now in 2022, or I know it's been this way for a while, but we can really tell the difference between each Uso. If I remember when they were like debuting, I wasn't watching at the time. Maybe I saw them on like an ECW or something. But they were they were doing the switcheroo, which I think everybody hates. Everybody kind of knows it's such a cheap. Like, oh, of course they're going to do it, even though they don't look the same. I remember it used to just be, oh, well, Jay's got a tattoo on his chest. That's the only way to tell them apart. But other than that, there's no way we could tell the difference. But now, short haircut Jay is awesome. I hate red hair dye, but it looks good on Jimmy Uso. So these guys are doing enough to now we know which one's Jay, which one's Jimmy. We're no longer pretending that they're unbelievably identical. And they actually have characters now, these Usos. And they, and they did when they showed up. They were Samoan. They knew Rikishi. They were, that's his dad. That's their dads. And they were with Tamina. So it was, oh, big Samoan bloodline thing. So I got that, but now just with the whole bloodline and Roman Reigns and We the Ones, these guys are having, I think, some of the best matches that they've ever had. And this was a good example of that. They go 17 minutes with Kofi Kingston and King Woods. And when the, when King Woods came out, and I, I feel like they had a new song, I haven't really been paying attention to their entrance song as of late. So if this was new, let me know. Or if they've been using this for a month and a half, let me know. But even this entrance I thought was – Okay, New Day might actually, and I think Kevin brought this up, these guys might have a chance at just winning the belt because opening match, day one, first first match of the year kind of in a way. I know we just had that Ridge Holland thing. But first, you know, pay-per-view match of the year, why not do something insane and let the New Day get it done? But Because day one is a new day. I like that Kevin brought that up. However, day one is H, and the Usos got a big victory. I thought it was a great match, a lot of back-and-forth action, and it did what I like in a lot of matches. Like Longer matches have to do this, where there's such a peak, and you're like, oh my gosh, the match was supposed to end right there, and then they go back into a valley, and then they go back to the peak, and then back into a valley. You have to have a real a, a realistic false finish, and then you do have to bring it back down a little bit. So... If it was like Sweet Chin Music and and Rock Bottom and Sweet Chin Music, Rock Bottom, like a Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match, those are supposed to last six minutes. But if you hit a big move and then it goes back into rest holds and kind of just you know basic wrestling and tag team maneuvers and you're bringing it back to that normal pace that we're kind of used to and before you jack it, the heart rate back up, before you get back into uh, – you fire up that fire hydrant. When that hydrant turns on, bang, your biceps, triceps, forearms uh, – so you go through ups and downs, and I really enjoyed this match. It, it makes me – we need to get rid of this brand split. I'm sure Kevin and I might talk about this on Ross Fourth Hour, but I think the the rosters are getting so small now that this would be a good time to just get rid of the brand split. And maybe Fox and USA don't want to do that. Maybe that's one of the things they're obligated to. Like, no, we're going to have exclusive talent on Raw and exclusive talent on SmackDown. But they used to be able to do Raw and SmackDown back in, you know, 99, 2000. I don't remember the formula. I have to go back and watch a couple because 
I'm assuming that if you were on Raw, you weren't obligated to be on SmackDown, but I also feel like The Rock was on both. I feel like everybody was just on both, so why not just do that again? Maybe set up, maybe Raw can advertise big matches for SmackDown and vice versa, and you just are booking, you know, from show to show, it's it's unique, and you can even have, oh, SmackDown, since it's only two hours, we're doing different, like, it just, it just seems like there's not that many guys now, so the Usos in the New Day tear the house down, but what's next for in this tag team division, especially since Cesaro and Ricochet, my new favorite tag team, lost, what are they supposed to do next? So I'm excited to see what's next for the tag teams here in, on SmackDown, but why not just break, why not break up this whole roster d- divide thing and just have the Usos, let them be able to live to the Street Profits, the Alpha Academy, uh, who else is RK-Bro, let's just get rid of this whole brand split. I think that's what we need the most. So I just got a message. This is a live message. So even though I'm recording this for y'all, Nathan Weller just messaged me and says, what's going on with Antonio Brown? So for those who are unaware, uh, Sunday edition, please, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, middle of the third quarter at, at a football game against the New York Jets. He just rips off his shoulder pads, takes his shirt off, throws a towel into the crowd, throws some gloves into the crowd. Uh, gets into the end zone, starts pumping up the crowd, raising the roof, and exits unceremoniously. Nobody really knows what happened or why he did it, but Bruce Arians uh, at the presser right after the game let everybody know he is no longer with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I know Antonio Brown's kind of a, you know, he's out there. He's He was a head case with the Raiders. Even even his uh, the ending of his time in Pittsburgh was kind of weird because it was, oh, I, I'm not playing here anymore. I'm done. Emmanuel Sanders always sucked. And he like, I what? Why are you just shooting from the hip? And he just went to Oakland for a cup of coffee. He didn't like that they weren't going to let him wear his helmet. He got frostbite because he did that cryotherapy. And uh, he recorded a conversation he had with John Gruden and released it to the public. Like, he did everything he could to get out of Oakland or Vegas. And they traded him to uh, New England. Which, you know, hey, look at New England. We got a shiny new toy for Tom Brady. He caught a touchdown from Tom Brady. And then sexual assault allegations come up. And now he's released. So he's back to being a free agent. He misses a year of play. And then he goes to Tampa. Brady his, Brady says, I need weapons. Go get me Antonio Brown. He shows up in Tampa. He plays really well there. Wins a Super Bowl with Brady. Brady even goes out of his way to make sure that he hits his bonus. And in regards to reception total, I think he had a... I think he had to have a certain amount of receptions for the year, and Brady on the last game of the year, like threw just three random ass like shovel passes to AB, so he would get the bonus. Super cool story there, but this season more of the same. I know with the the vaccine protocols, Antonio Brown lied and said he was vaccinated, even though he's not. So of course the league had to suspend him for three games. Uh, apparently, Aaron Rodgers did not lie about being vaccinated. He just said he was immunized. So everyone just thought that meant, oh, he means he meant, he means he got vaccinated. He's not going to, that, that couldn't mean anything else. But uh, no, it, it it means something else. He was doing his own experimental gene therapy. I said it. I listened to that podcast with Joe Rogan and, and the guy who invented mRNA vaccines, gene therapy. So uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't get suspended because he didn't technically lie. I don't know if there's a form you're supposed to fill out or something, but Antonio Brown filled out that form and said, no, I am vaccinated. And then when he tested positive, it was uncovered that he's not vaccinated. So he was suspended for three games. He came back. He's been dealing with all kinds of things this year. And I think, I think a lot of athletes in in COVID land, it's probably ridiculous. Like even Steve Smith, uh, I think it was for the Super Bowl coverage. He didn't want to go. He just did the whole thing remote. 
And my good friend Rich Eisen asked him, like, hey, how come you didn't go to the, the Super Bowl coverage with the NFL Network? And he said, I don't want to get COVID tested every day. You know, I just, I'll do it from home. Even though he wasn't worried about COVID, he didn't necessarily want to have a toothpick up our toothpick. That would be really awful. He didn't want to have a toothpick up his nose or, or even a Q-tip up his nose. So, look, and I agree. I think a lot of these athletes are probably sick of it. Like, look, I feel fine. You're going to test me anyway. I might test positive. Now I got to quarantine for 10 days. There's all these things that these guys are having to do. And I think the NFL is easing up on, hey, if you're asymptomatic, we're not testing you anymore, which kind of makes sense to me. I know that this virus is supposed to be unbelievably contagious, but if we all get it and we all just have a cough, why are we shutting down the country for it or shutting down the NFL for that? Or Ryan Getzoff can't play today for the Ducks. Why, why can't we do these things? So ultimately, Antonio Brown, interesting into his career. I don't see any other team willing to take a chance on him anymore. There's no more Tom Brady who's going to pull him in. And, hey, you know, I just need somebody talented to go downfield, and that's you, buddy. I don't think he's going to find that anymore unless there's a team desperate enough out there. If if, uh, Trevor Lawrence is like, no, look, we need him. But I don't think there's a team that's going to be able to to put – this is going to be Colin Kaepernick. It's T.O. It's, look, we know that you're good. We know that you're worth taking a chance on, but – you bring a lot of negative press, and we've watched your track record with other franchises. There's no reason why we would bring you in. So if he's calling it a career, he is one of the best receivers I've ever. I'll say it. I'll throw it out there. Top 10? I don't know about top 10. Top 20, sure. Let's do that. But, you know, there's a lot of good receivers throughout NFL history, so it's hard to just automatically top 10. Because if I sat here and made a list, what would it be? Jerry Rice, number one. Ah, that's Frank Bolitnikoff, number two. Either way. Randy Moss is up there. Marvin Harrison, Starvin Marvin. Reggie Wayne was good, too. I don't know if he's top 10, though. Ultimately, I think... Oh, Tim Brown. Remember Raiders? Ultimately, I just think that uh, Antonio Brown, something's going on up there, whether it's people always point to CTE or... He just is a unique character, and I think there's... He's offended easily, and he he has a, he's set in his ways. He's like Kid Cudi, Kevin Scampoli, Charles Hamilton. They're all the same breath as Antonio Brown, but ultimately... Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss, by the way. What a match. I was shocked. I hate Madcap Moss, and I thought I did until this match because Gino likes Riddick Moss. He likes Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli as a tag team, two former NFL guys. And when even when Riddick Moss was in Raw Underground, I thought, what the hell is this? Why are we wasting time with Riddick Moss? There's nothing here. <laughs> it's not going to work. These are the generic football guys that Kofi Kingston was talking about on Table for Three. Like, you know, we we wanted to be wrestlers. We didn't want to be football players that fell into wrestling. That's Riddick Moss to a T. However, maybe him being with Happy Corbin and they have an easy gimmick where they're just telling bad jokes and laughing constantly and their heels. I love it. I love the way they dress. Everything about these two guys right now is fantastic. And Drew McIntyre is kind of in a weird – he's not in the main championship picture – you know, it's not him versus Roman. It's not him versus Big E. He's kind of just top-tier mid-carder or bottom-tier main eventer right now. So him and Madcap Moss is kind of a nice – it's almost like a John, John Cena needed more of these, okay? John Cena needed more. I'm not fighting for the title tonight. I'm not even in the main event. I'm fighting with somebody on the undercard. But we're going to have a kick-ass match, and it's going to be great. And him and Madcap Moss had a great match. Uh, almost goes 10 minutes, 945 according to the official Wikipedia time. And 
Really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the character work by Madcap. And even later in the night when Madcap and Happy Corbin beat up Drew McIntyre, it just kind of kept this thing going because we're waiting for – because even Drew was trying to squash the beef. He's like, you know what, I'll get to Corbin down the road. He gets attacked anyway. I thought it was a great match. I thought it was a great storyline, and it's going to keep going. If you're not going to have Drew involved in something on the top, you might as well have him something that will take a little bit of his time. We don't want him to bounce around from Heath Slaters to other jobbers, and uh, I think this is a good way to do that. So I'm really enjoying how they're using McIntyre right now because I think we were all convinced that once he lost that belt to Bobby Lashley, he was winning it back at the next pay-per-view. Oh, he didn't win it back? He'll get it at the next one. Oh, he still hasn't gotten it? Okay, third time, third time's a charm. He'll get it, and he never got it back. So – uh, kind of an interesting feat. It's almost been a year since he's been the champion. So we're we're detoxing from Drew McIntyre, okay? He was the champion during uncertain times, COVID. So, yeah, I, I like what they're doing with Drew. I like the development of Madcap. I like Happy Corbin. And, again, I'm watching the show two matches in, having a great time. I really enjoyed the way they started this off. It almost felt like a takeover because with takeover, there's usually five matches. And each match has some time. Each match has some story. Each match just, it, it, it feels like a wrestling event where sometimes the WWE, it does feel like, oh, we're just building towards our next WWE event. You know, it's a premium live event as they're called now, which I think is a great idea. I, I, for years, I kept asking, are these still on pay-per-view? Why are they calling these pay-per-views? They're not on pay-per-view anymore. I'm not going to my box office or calling up my direct tv or spectrum and saying hey i'd like to order the pay-per-view please add it to my cable bill like no i'm not doing that anymore i don't know if anyone's doing that anymore so this premium live event i think this was a great match for these two matches open the show both almost go uh both are 10 minutes we'll just say it we'll say it like that in-ring action is important because on raw it seems like we have a lot of one to two minute matches so it's kind of nice to have lengthier things even from the main roster stars because this feels like an nxt thing and i know that's a hipster critique but i have i have evidence to back it up rk bro comes out with the migos we we were wondering how the migos were going to be involved i thought after the third match there was going to be some sort of performance and we were all going to be annoyed and oh why does wwe do this every once in a while they'll bring out a pitbull at a wrestlemania or they'll bring out a bad bunny at a royal rumble we don't as wrestling fans at home when we order our premium live events, we don't care about the music or the musicians. We're not there, so maybe it's a lot, you know, a whole live crowd's going to get to see a set from Migos. Maybe that's exciting for them. I saw Union Underground at a Raw one time, and they were like, now get the cons, the trons, and do this together and do it all. They said they're not this forever. It was, it was a kick-ass time, but when I went back and watched it at home, why did I? Why was I so excited about that? There was no reason to be that excited about that show, so or that performance. But Migos came out with RK Bro. This immediately let me know that they were going to win this match. Or there was part of me that thought, what if Migos helps Street Profits win? Street Profits turn heel, and how are they going to get Atlanta to boo Migos? There's no way to do that. So it was just kind of a nothing. You know, it was a good match though. I got to give everybody credit here because. There were several times where I thought, why aren't the Street Profits going to win? Why not put the tag belts back onto a real tag team and get Riddle and Orton out of this tag team division? As much as I love RK-Bro, it's, come on, these guys are single stars, damn it. So, and, and this has been going on for a year. I mean, after Mania is when they were putting together RK-Bro, 
and here we are in January, and we're still doing RK Bro. So uh, I thought the Street Profits had a chance at some point in the match to go 11 and 15. Really exciting stuff. I enjoyed it. So uh, again, and the Migos didn't really, the Migos didn't even get involved. They just kind of they were excited to get in the ring with Randy and Riddle, and they were all posing together and. Even the Street Profits shook Orton and Riddle's hand after the match, which, again, I thought there might have been a, a swerve coming or a, a heel turn. But it was a fun match, really good stuff. And, look, let's end this brand split. What do you guys say? Let's get the Street Profits, RK-Bro, Usos, and New Day all in just the same tag division. That gives us more toys to play with, more matchups. And absolutely, why aren't we doing that yet? Uh, so and then this was one that uh, Edge. This one that Edge said was the worst match. Kevin did not like Edge versus Miz, which I I understand. But here's here's my take. I'm gonna give you guys this. Miz doesn't always have good matches anyway. So I went into this with low expectations. I think I even put it in the. If you ever are watching a WWE premium live event, you need to get into the Discord. You need to get into the Rezone. Because rezone with Kevin is is awesome. You get to you're watching it with the entire TWFS locker room, and to watch this match with everybody, it made it more enjoyable for me. Because I even said if Miz would just work out those shoulders twice a week, he could be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. He has this. He has the voice and he has the character and the facials. So many things he does so well. But when I see him in the ring and he just kind of looks like a lifeguard. I kind of lose it a little bit. I think that this Hollywood A-lister, and I grew up, you know, 2003 WWE, Ruthless Aggression Season 2, Hollywood Rock, and that's like, oh, this is a guy from Hollywood. He looks like a million dollars. He just, he is incredible looking. Miz doesn't have that. Miz is handsome, absolutely looks great in a suit. When he's shirtless and wearing his undies, he just, he doesn't scream to me that he's a Hollywood athlete, a Hollywood superstar. So it's, come on, Miz. I'm not saying you're out of shape, but if you want to be this A-lister, let's get in A-list shape, okay? Even Chris Pratt looks pretty good. So I thought this was a good match. I think the ending was a little convoluted. Uh, I, I know that they wanted to get Beth Phoenix involved somehow with Edge, and her and Edge have never worked together on TV, so here's their big opportunity. Um, why didn't she beat up Seth Rollins, though? Didn't Seth break into her house? Why was it The Miz? The Miz and Maurice was the storyline that made – Beth finally get up from that announce desk. So I'm hoping we don't get a mixed tag at WrestleMania. That was Gino's prediction. I'm hoping we get that at Fastlane or even on Raw tomorrow night because we need to get AJ and Edge or Edge needs to be in a dream match at WrestleMania. How many WrestleManias does Edge have left? Get him in there with Kevin Owens. Get him in there with, uh, we already seen the Seth stuff. There's other things that Edge needs to be involved with. Not a mixed tag, okay? We don't, no, we, we not concern ourselves with mixed tag matches at WrestleMania anymore, unless Snooki's involved, then absolutely, or Maria Menounos. These are all perfect examples of what a mixed tag is a classic idea. If, if Ronda Rousey's involved, mixed tag match. So pretty much celebrities, we you're allowed to do mixed tag. Wrestlers, and I know that Maurice and Miz are technically celebrities now, but no, we, we're not doing that. I thought this match was fine. Edge won with the Beth Phoenix interference. She came out and, you know, her, her, she came out and was standing there. This was weird between uh, Beth Phoenix and Edge. Edge music, the brood music starts for Edge. And I know he's done this a few times since his return, but wasn't he like the second banana in, in the brood? Gangrel's the brood music. You hear that song. I don't automatically think brood. I think Gangrel. And when 
Edge walks out. You know, okay, whatever. Red lights, vampire music. That's fun. And then he gets about to halfway down the stage. And then Alter Bridge kicks on. The greatest wrestling theme song in the history of guitars. And, okay, why didn't he just come out to this the whole time? Why do we have to tease or have to remind people that he was part of the brood? Is there just some sort of obligation to use that song every couple months? So Edge has to use it now. Otherwise, Vampire Warrior on the indies is going to be bumping that song. So not exactly sure where that came from. But Beth Phoenix comes out on the stage halfway down. And she's like just standing there, like staring. Look at mean as shit at Miz and Maurice. Like she's already down. She's already halfway down the stage or the ramp staring at these people. And then her music hit and she like finished her walk. So I'm not sure what's going on with these entrances. I, I know that Beth just came from NXT. So I'm sure she got to sit in on Triple H production meetings where it's all about your entrance. And okay, Peyton Royce, you're going to move your hip this way, move your arm up this way, turn your head back, bite your finger, and then swirl around this way and walk down the ramp. Like everything's about your entrance, your pose. There's a part in the song where you need to go boom. That's all Triple H. Uh, choreographed because obviously when you hear the motorhead song he he looks to the left looks to the right and then at that specific part he spits the water so his walk is timed as well the entrance is very important i agree but i just thought it was hilarious that edge walks halfway down the ramp with one song and then his other song hits beth walks down with no song and then her song hits uh not sure where that comes from but edge needed to beat the miz the miz is no offense to miz top tier jobber like he's just such an easy heel to beat for a babyface, and for Edge, somebody that hasn't come back and won the WWE or the Universal Title yet, this is kind of an easy victory for him. We need to get, he needs to keep winning, and I know that he's here to oh put over the younger talent. But if he's fighting Miz, who's just as what fucking six years younger than him, we might as well let Edge beat him, and then when Edge fights Damian Priest, maybe I'll believe that Damian might have an opportunity to beat him. So. We move into kind of the main event picture here for, for day one because or because Roman Reigns obviously got COVID, which I found out in the car waiting for my wife to get pho. She was picking up some soup. Uh, I was sitting in the car scrolling through the Twitter, and I saw Roman was out of the main event, and they added Brock to the WWE title match, which I thought, whoa, that just elevated this event way more. Because Fatal 4-Ways, and especially this one, where I kind of just said Seth was going to win based off of a dumb – Instagram gif where you take a screenshot and I took the screenshot and it said that Seth is going to win tonight. And then I did it again and it was still Seth. So I just thought, you know what? Let's just say Seth because it doesn't matter. So now Brock is the WWE champion, which also helps my, uh, helps my getting rid of the brand split because if him and Roman are still on this collision course, let's unify the belts for the sixth, uh, the, the sixth time. And have an undisputed champion again. The undisputed WWE Universal World Heavyweight Champion of the Universe. Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. So, and that obviously, you know, we've always kind of poked fun at the Universal title. Which I've grown to love because I realize WWE is bigger than the world. It's the universe. They don't want to have a world title. AEW has a world title. Ring of Honor had a world title. Impact has a world title. We have a universe title. GCW has a universe title too, though. So I I think this was I think adding Brock to that main event was was a great idea because what was the other option? We're gonna have the interim 
universal champion and Brock's going to fight Jay Uso. And if Brock wins, he gets, he's now the interim universal champion and they're going to unify the belts and have the undisputed universal champion at Royal rumble. Like, you know, who cares? So of course this delays the, the big payoff. We're waiting for Roman and Brock still. That was supposed to happen again. Uh, how many times have they wrestled though? Like three or four already. So two or four, I don't know, somewhere in there. So we're still waiting, and I thought it was going to happen at WrestleMania, but now that they're both champions, let's do this at Rumble. Let's get it going. Tomorrow night on day three, we need to get this thing booked. So we'll see what happens there. Or maybe Rock's going to be involved. I know he said he's not going to be, but if Rock's coming back for Roman, maybe Roman does something to, oh, well, I'm going to fight Universal title, Rock Roman. Then you have Brock versus whoever on Raw. We just scrap all that Brock, all the Brock Roman stuff we've been doing for months. We just scrap all that. So Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan, though, they were before the main event. And this was one of my favorite Becky Lynch matches ever. And I know that at Survivor Series, they tore her and Charlotte tore it down. Uh, her and Bianca tore it down at Extreme Rules. So Becky has good matches, but this might be my favorite one because I think her character as the man, as she's like the new Charlotte. I mean, clearly, I think we said that the other day, but her being this character against Liv, who hasn't won the big one, Hasn't really had a successful singles career. I think Reza even said it in the chat. Liv's not even a good wrestler. You guys just want to bang her. Like that was all that he, that was his critique of Liv Morgan. But I think that Becky and Liv had a really good match. So many good spots. I loved Liv hitting the, the sunset bomb, like a springboard sunset bomb, or however you want to call it. An amazing move. Didn't get the job done. Went for, I think what's it called? Oblivion. Uh, but B- Becky used the ropes to hit the manhandle slam. And this was my this was a big critique for me was I think that in a perfect world, Becky gets both of her feet on the bottom rope for leverage as she's pinning Liv. That's how she gets another victory over Liv. So that way it's two matches where Becky needs to use the ropes to win. But when Becky hit the manhandle slam, she was too far away from the ropes to get her feet on the ropes. And now it just kind of looks like Liv didn't kick out because the move hurt her. So... We'll see how they fix this on day three, but I still think this was a really good match. They got 17 minutes, uh, second longest match of the night, or third, I guess. The Usos went a little longer. I didn't uh, – match time for Miz and Edge was 20 minutes, which I did not notice it was that long. I think maybe the Gaga at the end added a lot to it, but them just one-on-one was a good match. I didn't realize it had been going that long. So what an epic main event that was, Edge and the Miz. But Becky Lynch is still champion. Where we go from from here, I think Liv is still – look, she's never won the big one, so that storyline just gets more and more potent the more we push it off, I think. Because even Kevin, after day one, you know, on the uh, – go to TWFS, the podcast feed, and you'll find the – I do call in and we talk for just a second. But even Kevin says – for 20 minutes, actually. But Kevin even says um, if she had won tonight, it would have been too late anyway. So why not have her lose? And I and I agree with that because we wanted her to win on that Raw. It was set up for her to win on that Raw. And when she didn't win, we were all chanting bullshit. We were all going to our dirt sheets and writing on our forums. And we were all upset that Liv didn't get it done. So having this rematch now, I think Kevin even said, well, now it's just like too late. It's, it's, it's fucking forced at this point. It wasn't earned. You know, it's oh they heard the crowd was so upset. So they ran it back at day one. And the fact that Becky won again just makes you even think, you know, Liv is never going to win this belt. Now imagine she wins the Rumble 
Or even imagine she wins some sort of number one contender and gets one more shot. And then it's the whole, either I win or I never challenge you again. And look, even even Drew McIntyre lost one of those to Bobby Lashley where he wasn't allowed to challenge ever again. So this will be a great... We're still in the middle of the storyline. I know that all the... I think Seth Rollins called it out. No, no wrestling fans want to sit through long-term storytelling anymore. Like that's, that's a huge problem for them is no, I need my gratification now. Okay. I'm on Instagram. I want to just like the results and I need instant, instant gratification for watching the show. And no, you're earning this one. I think Liv is going to get this belt eventually. And when she does, it's going to feel that much better. Now there are, there is the chance it could be too late where oh, we're already done with this. But I, I don't think we're there yet. I think if she gets it, it has to be a one-on-one match. If she gets like, if she wins the belt in a triple threat match or something or a fatal four-way at WrestleMania, obviously that's terrible. But if she gets it now, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And and I think that we're still on that path. So uh, really enjoying where we're at right now with Liv and, and Becky. So I thought it was a really good match too. So watch that match for what it is. I think people are already upset because they didn't get the result. But just as an in-ring one-on-one, back-and-forth action. I thought they told an amazing story. Oh, another critique? Why were they both wearing black? Okay, heels wear black, damn it. Liv should have came out wearing red or blue or white or brown, any other color. Becky was rocking the black tonight, okay? So that means she is the heel. I remember, I don't remember, (laughs) I remember it was, I think it was Austin Aries and, and Pac or Neville at the time where they were both wearing black. And either Jim Ross or somebody on their podcast brought it up how if everyone's wearing black, everybody looks the same. Everybody, everybody looks like a damn villain. Villains wear black. When you watch, when you watch a James Bond film, these villains are the ones who are who are darker, and their characters are more grim and sinister. And then James Bond's in his in his ten thousand dollar suit. He's in his silver Aston Martin. He's a little more colorful, a little more lively. Than the heel, than the heel, and I agreed. <laughs> so when I'm watching Liv and Becky, that was one of my immediate things. When Liv came out wearing black, I thought, okay, she's gonna do a Seth Rollins. She's gonna come out wearing all white. No, she's wearing black too. It's like, what? Why are you both wearing the same color? What are you a tag team? What is this? The Rock and Rave connection? Why are you guys dressed like this? So the Liv Lynch connection. So I didn't really. I, let's mix it up. Uh, Sasha's husband. You can make some different outfits back there. Main event, 8 minutes, 25 seconds. That's all we need. This was a spot fest. Obviously, you have five guys. Treat it like a Money in the Bank match. Hey, look over here. Hey, look over here. Hey, look over here. And the story, I thought, just as far as Big E looked dominant. Big E actually looked really good in this match. Of course, everybody on Twitter and Instagram is, what, they made Big E eat the fall? Well, yeah. He he's gonna if he gets a rematch now or goes after Brock, it's because he's he was involved in the finish. Owens, Rollins, and Lashley look they they were all bystanders to what's gonna be Biggie versus Brock if that's where they go. Because we also were excited to see Lashley and Lesnar finally lock horns. We get to see KO and Lesnar lock horns. So there was a lot of stuff in here that I think I think people are upset about because Biggie lost and they thought what. This was just an easy way for Big E to keep his belt. He could have just pinned Kevin Owens, and we could have figured something else out later. But this is day one. This is a big event, and Roman just tested positive for COVID. We already lost our – we might have had a big moment if Brock was going to beat Roman tonight. 
maybe Paul was going to help Brock win here and then flip on him at Mania and help Roman win it back at Mania. So we're not sure what was going to happen, but I think to, hey, we're switching the main event and it just switched creative so drastically. Hey, you know what? Brock wasn't even supposed to be in this match. He's going to win the belt tonight. I think that was unexpected. I think that was exciting. Now I know, you know, Forbes and CBS Sports and, you know, all these wrestling. Any website that has, like, one guy that writes their wrestling columns, this was their number one complaint for the whole show. Why would Brock get an unnecessary, and I also hate that shit, unnecessary. I heard somebody talking about proper, like, proper build. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is, we're just spectators of the show. What's proper? There's been so many title changes throughout history. Are all of them proper? Are we able to pick pick and choose what we think is proper? Because if that's the case, are we kind of burned out by that by now? Like when Brock, when when Drew McIntyre beat Brock, we all knew it was going to happen. Yes, Drew won the Rumble and he turned face and he won a handicap match against the Good Brothers. And then he he was built up as such a hero that he finally slayed the dragon. What a proper way to do that! I think it was kind of boring. Let's mix it up. Let's have a huge surprise. Brock's a baby face. He's cutting the best promos of his career. He's even doing that sound where he's like, I hope the mic picks that up where he's like, but him and Kayla were awesome backstage or Megan. I forget who it was, but, but I really enjoyed Brock winning this match. Thought it was fun, a fun ending to a fun show. Like, and like I said, this was an NXT takeover vibe where tag matches were given time. Edge versus Miz was given time. The the ladies were given time. So I think WWE is in a state where if they got rid of the brand split, uh, they, they would do wonders. Honestly, I think it would do wonders. You'd be able to uh, – I know we just trimmed off 80 wrestlers, but you would be able to trim kind of the fat and the unnecessary bits from television. Television. Dana Brooke and Reggie are, are – that stuff is awful. There's not one human being alive, I think, that likes that. There can't be. It's terrible. So I, I really enjoyed this event. I think it sets a sets a standard for the company that, okay, you know what we're going to do this year? We're actually going to have good wrestling matches. The, the in-ring action is actually going to be great. If our storylines don't make sense and our television is too convoluted, at least when we get the, get the match in the ring, when we do that, it's going to be great. And I, and I, I think if I rewatch this event, I'm going to think the same thing. The matches were great. Storyline-wise, sure, maybe some stuff doesn't really work. Like Liv not being champion yet, sure, that probably annoys a lot of people. Drew versus Madcap I think is a great idea. Uh, New Day, like what? what's their direction? Ever since Co- King Woods became King Woods, and what has he really done with that? He's had a feud with Roman, but ultimately it's just, say, hey, yeah, I have Sir Kofi and I'm a king, and now we're just kind of losing to the Usos and to the bloodline every other week. Uh, RK bro, we know that that this isn't a forever thing. So I don't know. I really enjoyed this event. I think if you listen to me and you just come at it with positivity and a good attitude, you're going to enjoy it. I could have sat back and hated this thing. I think, Oh, everything's like, look, there were, what were there? No title changes. I guess that could be, a, I don't know. Brock won the fucking belt. So I don't know what people were really upset about. I know people don't want to see Brock on top anymore. They're excited to see guys like Biggie and, but I think we've said this before. Raw's been pretty shitty lately. Maybe it's time for a shakeup. Maybe it's time to get Biggie. Uh, maybe we want to have a babyface chasing a heel champion. Because even when we had Drew, it was babyface being chased by the heels. Uh, so I don't know. We need to mix it up on Raw. I've been watching Raw for three hour Raw four weeks in a row, and it's been terrible. One week it was good. So 
nine out of the 12 hours were terrible. And I think by just tweak something, I'm not saying to get Big E out of the main event picture, but tweak something because clearly this was getting boring. And I know they want to keep Big E and the New Day separate. Can we just get them all back together? We love that trio. It makes sense having those guys in his corner. They were all at this pay-per-view together. We didn't even, you know, did they do anything backstage? Did they have any moments? Maybe it's time we break up New Day. Maybe King Woods turns heel and now he's a villainous king and he's taking on Big E or something. So ultimately leaving day one, thought it was a really good show. Maybe it is time to end the brand uh, the brand split. But this has been a fun Sunday edition of Fleeties. It really has been. I, I just, I had to turn on the microphone here, I, I, I full disclosure behind the curtain, 8 p.m. Central Standard on a Sunday, just fired it up because I was listening to Kevin and I, I actually was playing Halo Combat Evolve, okay, uh, the the anniversary edition or whatever, listening to them talk and then, you know, hanging out with my boy, hanging out with my wife, and I just kind of thought I got to talk about day one because I really enjoyed it. I kind of watched some impact today too, and I just thought, you know, particularly for Gino, how come people like, especially Gino, why would you like impact so much, but then not like day one? Cause day one is just the much better version of what impact is doing. So ultimately, and then, and there's also bigger stars in, in WWE and they are developing talent, even in a losing effort. You look at the street profits, you look at, uh, you look at Ridge Hall and he was on the pre-show. You look at Seamus, he's 40, but Liv Morgan had a kick-ass match. I love the Rollins and Owens were hilarious in the Fatal Five way. So I think, and Madcap Moss, that's somebody that I never thought I would enjoy a match from. And he did a great job on this card. So for day one, for a show with seven matches, I think we're on a, we're on a good start to the year. So hopefully Vince McMahon and Bruce and Johnny, Johnny Ace, hopefully they turn the reins over to somebody else tomorrow night because uh, we need a good Raw to follow up this event. And maybe we end the brand split tomorrow. We don't need a press release. Just do it. Get it over with. Maybe Paul Heyman opens the show. Uh, but ultimately, I'm excited to see what happens. Thank you so much for downloading on uh, the podcast feed, whether that was Apple uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. I know that I'm on. Uh, Kevin has me on Podcast Addict, Podbean, like Podchaser, anywhere. Just go find me, okay? Um but I will be back, Raw's fourth hour, every Monday with Kevin, trovo.live slash TWFS. Go to havegrit.club. That is the website. That's where you'll find the TWFS 100. You'll find the Slammy Award winners. And we're getting ready. We're, we're in 2022. Kevin and I need to figure out the top 100 for 2021. Oh, I just burped. I don't know when there's a firm, firm uh, press or set release date for that, but. He and I need to get to the drawing board because how is Pac not number five? But ultimately, that's going to be a good time. Go there. I'll be back with Gino and, and Geezy and Kevin, a litany of co-hosts and superstars Tuesday night, immediately following NXT. No promise that we're going to talk NXT. I just like to throw that out there. We're after NXT. So that's 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but thanks again for downloading. This has been a special Sunday edition of Ladies. 
And uh, everybody have a good week. Thank you so much for downloading and have a happy new year. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Hi, it's Carl Deichler, CEO of Beachbody. And I'm giving away 10,000 free memberships a week to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Pick any program and just follow it step by step, like our 21-day fix program or the ab shredding muscle burns fat program. Plus, there's free support in personalized fitness groups with our community of over 2 million members. Now is the time, so don't wait. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Hurry in during Ram Truck Month, where you'll find J.D. Power's number one brand and new vehicle quality in 2021. And right now, get 0% financing for 72 months on the 2022 Ram 1500 Lone Star. For 2021 J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Not compatible with any other offer. 0% APR financing for 72 months equal $13.89 per month per $1,000 finance for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital regardless of down payment. Not all buyers will qualify. See dealer for details. Offer ends 5 22